Welcome to Comically Comics, your one-stop listen to all things comics. We're talking books, movies, TV shows, video games, and more. I must forewarn you, though, we are a spoiler cast, and what that means is we consider all properties, past, future, and present to be valid, and we will spoil the hell out of them. I'm your host, Michael, along with my two co-hosts, Richard and Jeremy, and with all that being said, let's get started. All right, it is Sunday, November 20th, and we have got some DC goodness for y'all today. About time. I know, yes. right? It really is about time. It really is. I was starting to actually criticize ourselves and be like, oh, fucking Marvel fanboys and your Marvel shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Your Marvel books. Yes, we're Marvel shills. <laughs> oh, I mean, we even got some image stuff out before we did some DC stuff. That's <laughs> pretty sad. Right? But we watched episodes one through, was it five? Five. five yeah. Yes. Of the Sandman on Netflix, and from what I understand so far, there's been a second season that's been ordered yes. by Netflix. So uh, let's go ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead and do uh, well meters. What do y'all think about this so far? I know it's just like half a season, really, and not even a full half. No, it's a full half. Well, it's pretty close. Anyways, uh, <laughs> what are y'all thinking? What, what's, what's the well meter on this so far? Um, I am. Teetering on the whelm to pleasantly whelm, honestly. Okay. No elaboration, just what? here's my ball, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it started off pretty, I don't know, it's it's the beginning right now with one and five, like one through five. Like one was kind of meh and five was kind of meh. And so it's just <laughs> like, it's got a meh sandwich. <laughs> And so it's uh, like, <laughs> there's a lot of people making sandwiches there in episode in yeah episode five. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was. <laughs> so, all right, Richard, what's your what's your whelming? Uh, I'm I'm pleasantly whelmed by this. Probably even overly whelmed. The especially these first five episodes, I really like. I don't I don't see how episode five is meh. That's the most messed up episode of the series, but <laughs> um. But yeah, it's it's really good. Let's say like I got I have kind of more to say about what I felt on that episode, but we'll I'll I'll save it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go with um pleasantly well. Episode one was just so long and set up so much stuff though. Like when I was writing out the synopsis, I was like, Oh my god, my synopsis for one is so long compared to the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> and then episode five. I feel you kind of on the the meh. Like, I feel like they did kind of drag that episode out as it went on. But to get the full impact of, like, kind of what the comic book was doing, it almost needed to be like that as well. So, I don't know. I have mixed feelings with Five as well. I'm kind of with you on that one, Jeremy. That's one of the things that I was going to say is, like, while doing this, I read, like, I was following along with the comic book while, because I've, Full spoilers, like I've watched the series already. This is my second viewing of it. Yeah. And uh, I decided to follow along the comic book for the episodes that adapted certain issues from there. And a lot of this is very much just the comic brought to life. Like a lot. Yes. Like there's there's less like DC tie-in stuff. Yep. And I'll get into those when we get into those. But yeah, I just thought it was very cool that they decided to do that most of the time they like to change a lot of things this is pretty much on par with the comic and i will say like with this one as well like i i have not actually didn't we didn't read this one didn't say anything about reading this one beforehand so i didn't obviously didn't read it um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's interesting like i would have the two things there is like i would have never known it was a comic and i would have never known it was a dc comic oh really yeah, that's like interesting. just like if I like for me personally, like if I like if we didn't have this and I just saw Sandman on there, I would not have no realized that or put together that it was a, a, a DC comic. Has watching it made you interested and wanted to read the comic book? Uh, we both we all know I'm not going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's your Christmas present. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a extremely like dense read. Like the book, it like the trade or whatever itself is like probably a normal trade thickness for a volume one, which consists of issues one through 
of that Sandman volume. I do want to iterate that this, for DC Comics, this is not the first volume of Sandman. There actually was a Sandman before this one, a comic book series, but it's totally not this at all. Yeah. So if you go to your Comic-Con and you're like, hey, I'm looking for Sandman books, and they say, what volume? Uh, if you're wanting this, it's volume two. Don't say volume one, because they're going to hand you some old stuff, all right? So don't don't mess up <laughs> like that. Like, it's volume two. Yeah, and I'm 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 with you, Richard. Like this, because I've got the trade and I read it however long ago, and I need to reread it because I forgot a ton of stuff. Yeah, but like I was flipping through my trade like after I'd watched it, and I was like, wow, this really is like, I mean, even some of the lines are like word for word from the panels, like yeah. super cool, and you could just tell Gaiman really did have his hand in it, mm-hmm. and so I wonder if that's like part of the reason why it's at Netflix, like. I don't understand why this wouldn't be at HBO Max. Like, this seems straight up HBO Max's alley. And it's a DC property, but, like, Gaiman was really involved in it. So I don't know if he was just able to, to like, sway his way to be like, hey, let me go shop this out, y'all. Like, y'all don't worry about this. Let me go Let me go shop this out and find somebody else. And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Go do all your own weird things. That's okay. <laughs> like, if Hamada was like, yeah, I don't want that shit on here anyways. Just, just go. Just go. Like, Probably. i i don't know i like because it's so strange like we all know like netflix a lot of netflix adaptations are garbage (laughs) right but this one did really well and yeah i think it's due to gaming i i should have looked up the behind the scenes maybe for the next few episodes i'll try to look that up all right i've got a list of first appearances uh i just chose to do it on this one i thought it would be fun um i'd like to start doing it more so here we go hold on to your hats We've got Sandman number one has the first appearance of Morpheus, Roderick Burgess, and Ethel Cripps. You've got Sandman number four with the first appearance of Lucifer and Corazon. You've got Sandman number 10 as the first appearance of Corinthian. Um, Sandman 11 is the first appearance of Matthew the Raven. Sandman 13 is the appearance of Joanna Constantine. House of Mystery 117 is the first appearance of Cain and Gregory. DC special number four is the first appearance of Abel. So yeah, not too bad. Yeah. All right. So synopsis real quick of episode one. We meet Morpheus, a.k.a. Dream of the Dream Realm. King of the Dream Realm, I'm sorry. We meet Roderick Burgess, who wants to conjure up death and capture death so that he can bargain freedom of death for his son, Randall, who has died. Instead of conjuring up death, he conjures up Dream and captures him. Corinthian comes by and tells Roderick how to hold Dream up and keep him, like, bound. Mm -hmm. Dream doesn't give in for centuries to give Roderick what he wants, because honestly, it's not his to give. Roderick takes on a wife, Ethel Cripps, who becomes pregnant with their son, John Cripps. Alex, who is John's, I guess, middle child, really, accidentally kills Randall, and a guard winds up going to sleep and releasing Dream, and Dream puts Alex to sleep pretty much forever. Yeah. Dream returns to his kingdom to find it in shambles. Yeah, like whenever I was whenever I was watching that, I I didn't realize how how much I got myself into because these are like <laughs> an hour long episode. And I was like, Good lord, these things are like Yeah. I just, just didn't realize they were that that long. <laughs> yeah. Well, since you mentioned it, <laughs> the runtime for this episode is fifty four minutes, nine seconds, but the actual runtime is forty nine minutes and seven seconds. You know, honestly, like, when you get past the first one, these, like, even for the amount of time, and they're not all a standard 40, 50, like, they jump in time. Like, almost like Richard was saying, instead of, like, an episode count, they did, like, a time count, almost, of, like, hey, just whatever time you need for this episode, just let's film it and get your point across. Let's go. So I like that. I dug that because me and my wife knocked them out episodes, or, yeah, episodes two through five. Uh, last night, and I mean, it it didn't. I think we did it in three hours, maybe if even that long. Like it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't long at all. So basically, they didn't pull a Disney and make them keep to a certain time limit or episode limit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right, (laughs) like everything about this feels like it's very well made. Like, like you said, like they gave them enough time to tell what they needed to tell, and I don't know. I think it's great. But anyway, 
So the actor they got to play Dream, I think, is spot on. His voice, his look, everything. <laughs> I'm like, this is fucking Dream right here. Like, yes, my note says they picked the perfect person to play Dream, Tom Sturridge. He is the twinkiest of twinks. <laughs> like he is a <laughs> emaciated man. Like when you see him, he is just like, give that man a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he looks the part perfect to a T. Honestly. My second note for like episode two is just the casting in general is perfect for yes. every single person involved. Yeah, Corinthian, yeah. when they finally see him, yes. which we actually do see him in this episode. Morpheus is after Corinthian because he is a nightmare that has come loose into the what we call the real world. And that's kind of where we first meet Corinthians. He's murdering somebody on the street. Yeah. And yeah, the casting for that guy was freaking amazing as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's Boyd Holbrook. He played in Logan. He was one of the uh, the guys that was sent out to go get X-23. I can't remember. He had the robotic hand. You know, he goes to like grab one of his sunglasses and pulls it off. Oh, he he's one of the ones that got got by X-23, didn't he? Or did he make uh, it out? I think he makes it out for a little while because he he's the one who like leads them on the chase for uh, the longest time. Not many of them made it out of that one. No. <laughs> I will say, like, on this one, too, like, <laughs> I felt bad for the guy that, that did play, uh, does play Morpheus. Is like, he just he just spent this whole episode naked, basically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Cold and naked. Yeah. Naked. Naked, sorry. Naked. <laughs> Butt-ass naked. <laughs> Bear-ass naked. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I, I've, and I felt like, I felt so bad, like doing my fast rewatch because I rewatched the scene where his raven, Jessamine, yeah, gets yeah. like blasted. And I was just like, fuck, man, like that sucks so bad. And cause like, I think it's hard to make him like dream look like he has emotions just because of the way that he's played and that he probably shouldn't have much emotion. Yeah. But in that scene, you could just like, he looked like he was about to tie, like just, break down yeah and he as he's just staring at alex because alex murdered the raven how did he not break that that glass dome that's the one thing i was wondering like how did he shot it yeah, yeah i was like how did that not break it but anyway bird shot bird shot <laughs> yeah i i wrote down just like poor poor jessime like also i just i'm gonna be the first one to say this roderick burgess is a dick he's a dick <laughs> he's a dick that <laughs> he's he such is such an asshole i love of course, I love the actor that they got to play Roderick Burgess, but he's the uh, Tywin Lannister character yeah. from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Charles Dance is his name. And uh, perfect, perfect casting for that as well. Like, just a complete smug asshole. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a record now for being an asshole dad. Like, yeah, right? Yep. <laughs> he does. Yeah, this this episode here was just, I feel like, a lot of building to, like, what yeah. those further episodes were going to be. So, I think they did a really good job. Like I said, a lot of this stuff, just from the panels, look ex exactly like, like, when he's, like, basically boom tube, it's opened up, and he's, like, floating <laughs> into it. Like, that is straight from the freaking comic book. Like, yeah, just, uh... For people that don't know, what is a boom tube? Because <laughs> I think Jeremy's looking at us very confused. <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay. So for those of you who has watched like Justice League, you've watched this, right, Jeremy? Justice League? A little, yeah. A little. Okay. So when <laughs> Steppenwolf's coming out of the big light tube, there's that big, big light tube or whatever that comes down several times. That's how he like moves from different places. Yeah. That's a boom tube. Okay. <laughs> It's a lighted <laughs> elevator. It's all it is. It's what it looks like. It's just God. a portal that it's the name that they give what they call like a portal that usually is used by not, uh, what are they called? Uh, new new gods technology like um, Apocalypse. That's the name of the planet that Darkseid lives on and New Genesis. Yeah. They use boom tubes to travel. I've seen it more from Cyborg than anything else. Like, in comic books and stuff like that, that Justice League normally has, hey, can you make a boom tube to this? Yeah. And then they'll... Well, that's because mother boxes are usually what they use to make boom tubes, and Cyborg is made from yes. the technology of a mother box. Yeah. There you go. Comic Pasta. Yeah. <laughs> I love the... I love the intro 
at the very beginning of this episode where we hear Morpheus narrating and he says, like, I just typed it all out. It's like, we begin in the waking world, which humanity insists on calling the real world as if their dreams have no effect upon the choices that they make. You mortals go about your work, your loves, your wars, as if the waking lives are all that matter. But there is another life which awaits you when you close your eyes and enter my realm. For I am the king of dream and nightmares. When the waking world leaves you wanting and weary, sleep brings you here to find freedom, adventure, to face your fears and fantasies in dreams and nightmares that I create, in which I must control, lest they consume and destroy you. That is my purpose and my function, or it was until I left my kingdom to pursue a rogue nightmare. I just think that's a cool, I love that line. And uh, Tom Sturridge does a great job like delivering it. Yeah. Yeah. All the dialogue is just seems, like I said, a lot of this stuff was pulled straight from the panels. Mm-hmm. And it's just, if you want something comic book accurate, like we haven't told, said that enough. <laughs> this is the most perfect thing probably to watch. I don't know anything that is so comic book accurate as this. I don't know that I've seen anything this comic book accurate. So, yeah. Uh, there, there's a few, but yeah, this and this also, I think, cleans up a little bit of some of the messiness or just stuff that doesn't make sense because back then it was slightly, you know what I mean? Because this book was created in, what, 89 or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 1989. There you go. But yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's it's just a dense read. It's an extremely dense read. And like as as we go on, I did like sit there and write like episodes that kind of correlate with the issues and stuff like that. And you can sit there and see where certain issues were combined with other ones to make a full episode. So that episode was called sleep of the just episode two is called imperfect host, which by the way, those are the exact names of the issues for those books. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. That they went that far to do that quick synopsis. Dream is lacking the power to rebuild his kingdom. He requires his tools. He decided to summon the three-in-one, but he needs gifts in order to be able to pay them. Uh, there were gifts that he wants to give them, require power so that he can um, swim amongst the dreams to grab them out. He decides to go to Cain and Abel to absorb his essence from Gregory the Gargoyle. He navigates the Sea of Dreams. He meets with the three-in-one finds riddles for answers to his tool's whereabouts. He also retrieves a gargle egg for Abel and Cain. And Corinthia meets with Ethel. Ethel meets with John to talk about the whereabouts of the ruby. So there you go. Yep. Anybody else tear up whenever he took Gregory? Oh my God, are you kidding me? I thought about my damn dog and I was like, you son of a bitch. Aw. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel heartless then because I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much are. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, when they're when he's taking Gregory, the way they did that, and like, of course, they did it on purpose. But like, his eyes being the last one that get dusted, essentially, yeah. mm-hmm. I was just like, "Oh, you bastards!" Like, <laughs> it's very rare. Like, I get emotional with some stuff, but it's like when it hits me, it hits me kind of hard. And this is one of those ones. I was just like, "Y'all suck." I don't like y'all. <laughs> You're making yeah. me feel things, and I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah not whenever Cain and Abel the, one of them stabs the other I was like oh crap because <laughs> I didn't it's Cain yeah yeah I didn't I know he would just like pop back up and like oh, you yeah. don't find out until later on in the episode like well he comes back saying like I'm glad you buried like buried me so shallow this time and I was like wait what <laughs> yeah I like this like one I thought they should have done a better job explaining that Cain and Abel are dreams. They're not the Cain and Abel, but they're dreams of Cain and Abel. So, you know, like the first, like from yeah. the Bible, like the first murder, the first uh, victim. And, I, but I like, I don't know, it feels very, to me, Jeremy, I, it feels very Harry Potter or something <laughs> like that because Neil Gaiman is very British, if I'm not mistaken. And this feels like something that should be on like, I don't know, BBC's masterpiece theater or something like this this episode <laughs> to me because it's it's very it's very much dealing with like moral quandary or, or, or stuff like that but yeah anyway so real quick because you said something about they were dreams 
something that I read earlier because I was trying to find the first appearance of Cain and Abel in comic, like DC comic books and stuff. Mm-hmm. It said, I can't remember. I think I want to say it was DC fandom page, but I can't really remember. I can't remember if it was that or Wiki, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. But they said in there that Morpheus knew of the story of Cain and Abel, knew that Abel loved to tell stories. And so when Abel was killed, he brought him to the dream, like the dreaming. Oh, is it? Okay. And then like made a cane later on because Abel was lonely and made a cane later on for them to be like neighbors and stuff like that. And it's because Cain's punishment was to walk the earth or something. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's just really interesting to figure out where they all came from and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I think for season two, we'll explore more of that because there's some stuff in these first five episodes, honestly, this whole series that they don't quite answer yet. And we'll probably see that for season two. Like what? Uh, well, I didn't want to get into it, but when we, oh, when we get to the, uh, the hell episode, <laughs> okay. Uh, there, there's a character that sees Morpheus and calls him a different name and is all like, yeah, yeah. I know. What and you're and about. I, I can, I can spoil that for you if you want, but anyway, we'll get no, into it when it. we get into that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me, I, I like how he talked about navigating the oceans of dreams. I thought that was really cool. I love the way yeah. they did the three in one. Yeah. Like, yeah. just because that was very horror like. And I was like, oh, I love this. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really cool. I like that he, he goes and gets those different and he explains why, like the little offerings to them. And then I love to like he tries to ask a second question and they're like, no, only one one question, one answer. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, all that was really cool. And I thought like, which I guess he kind of did start getting a little more specific and like how he's asking these questions, because the first one was just kind of open ended. And then like his second one was still even a little bit. I mean, he kind of narrowed it down a little bit to get closer to his, what he needed, but he still wasn't quite there. And I'm like, Come on now, like we we need to like really really zero in on this answer. <laughs> well, and like it's funny that you saw it that way because his most direct answer was from his first question. Like they were like, "Oh yeah, Joanne." Yeah. Basically, Joanna Constantine has has the saying. Like there you go. Yeah, go find her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Which, by the way, irritates me because I've called Constantine Constantine for years, and I feel like yeah. they're trying like. I feel like all these comic books are trying to change the way that I say everything. It's not Constantine. It's Constantine. It's not Namor. It's Namor. It's not symbiote. It's symbiote. Like, no, no motherfucker. No, I've been saying no. that shit right for years. <laughs> one, one, it's Namor. They just wanted to, like, add it, like, whatever, church it up. They wanted to make it sound fancier <laughs> than it is. It's Namor. It's always been Namor. Two, it's symbiote. It's not symbiote. <laughs> That's what that stupid fucking whatever guy in the Venom movie called it, which, by the way, they changed it for the actual movie. But yes, the one thing that people have bitched about with Constantine, especially British people, is because Constantine is British, it is pronounced Constantine. But as an American, (laughs) I've always said Constantine. But yeah, that is one of the things that a lot of a lot of British people like get super irritated and say it's Constantine. But anyway. So I guess I need to change it then to like actually be right about it. I mean, I don't know. That just seems like a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a very American attitude to have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's why we don't use a metric system. (laughs) I use it on cars all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Do y'all have anything else you want to input for this episode? Yes, I just thought it was really slick of Ethel to use the amulet of protection to basically shred the Corinthian. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, I thought that was really slick. Also, I yeah, I love that effect. That effect looks so cool. Yeah. Right? And just like later on when we see that used on non-dream beings, like... Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like... Uh, uh, that was one thing I was going to say, too, is there was definitely no Shrek moments with these, the CGI in this this series oh, so far. That's interesting. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I will say, like, throughout this whole thing, I felt like the CGI 
was on point. There might have been a, a something here, something there, but it was out of focus, honestly, whenever I'd noticed something. But like Gregular, you look great. Freaking the kingdom looked great. Like there was so much stuff that looked freaking great in CGI. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing because I'm I'm just doing it from here on out, I guess. <laughs> this actual runtime for this episode was <laughs> 33 minutes, 59 seconds. Nice. Oh. See, it's like a it's almost 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's like a whole what 15, 16 minutes shorter than the first one. So right. Yeah. All right. Episode three that shares the same name with issue three of the comic books, Dream a Little Dream of Me. We meet uh, Matthew the Raven in this episode. We also meet Joanna Constantine, who I believe in the comic books is the grandmother of John Constantine, if I'm not mistaken. Is it grandmother or great grandmother? Yeah, I, I can't remember. It's one of those. You might be right with the great. It's one, but yeah, it's a it's a descendant. Yeah. Um, Joanna Constantine and Morpheus go to Joanna's ex's house to retrieve this bag of sand. Ethel gives the amulet of protection to John and Morpheus and Matthew go to hell. So that's it. <laughs> Bill and Ted's now. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. These synopsises, they get super easy as this episode goes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I, I love Matthew. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Oswald. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. He's great. Yeah. Yep. Apparently, in the comic version, he, I believe, died in, like, there's this whole thing, like, somebody, like, harvest some organs from him and not, like, they weren't supposed to do that, and they did that, and he died, like, in his sleep. So, Morpheus, I believe, like, gives him the option to become a raven and stay in the dreaming, and, like, that's how he becomes it. In this, they kind of just... Like, they don't muddy up the, like, origin of him. It's just, like, he died in his sleep and he became a raven, I think is what they say. I forget exactly what they... Yeah. He mentions how he became this raven. Because he was like, I used to be human, but now I'm not. I used to have thumbs. <laughs> yeah. And now I have these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Matthew doesn't come even come into the comics until, like, issue 11. Yeah. So, like, they brought him in way earlier comparatively, which I enjoyed. My wife was even enjoyed him. Like, Mm -hmm. just that comic relief with Morpheus just, just, like, seriousness, I thought was great. They didn't overdo it. Yeah. It was very well planned. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I definitely agree on that. So, I absolutely love, like, John Constantine. One of my, like, favorite characters. I love just how he's, like, I don't know, an ass. Like, it's just yeah. it's very intriguing to me. <laughs> um, and especially, like, he's, you know, he's got magic and stuff like that. So it's very close to, like, Doctor Strange, except for Doctor Strange is just more, like, proper. So I was a little worried with the whole Joanna Constantine, like, swap. Yeah. But you know what? The It was the chick from Doctor Who. She played Claire, or Clara. Which Clara. one was it? Cl- Clara. Clara. It's Jenna Coleman, and she played Clara from Doctor Who. She did an amazing John Constantine. I'm just telling y'all right now, like, because yeah. that was John Constantine. That like, that's all that was. <laughs> yeah, I, so I have like a couple of notes with her, but like it says, it's sad that we couldn't get John Constantine. I don't know why. There's probably some sort of like DC thing where it's like, you can't use that. But I do love Jenna Coleman as Joanna Constantine. And yes, it it's just, gender swapped John Constantine because she's still the same like persona the way she talks she's got a messy room like it's just John Constantine just as a woman really exactly (laughs) exactly everything about John Constantine but in a woman's body yeah I loved it I thought I thought she did a great job yeah essentially as John Constantine like uh, just like you said her accent her talk the the words that she used the words the way she delivered them all that jazz I was just like this is great. The the nightmares that she's having from losing um, Ast- Aster, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I think... It, oh, dang it. I didn't write that down. Um, yeah, Astra or... Something to that effect. Yeah. But that's something that John, in any kind of like movie or TV show that I've watched with him in it, he's always plagued by that where he's he's lost that girl to hell. So, yeah, I, I thought she was great. This... This story is 
very, very similar to the comic book. But honestly, <laughs> I like this a lot better because really? we get. Yeah, I like the um, the exorcism at the beginning. Yeah, I thought that I was did. great. Yeah, I did. I, I love I love the twist that you think it's the princess <laughs> yeah. and it's the footballer. Like you hear like the cursing and screaming and she's like, bloody hell, is that is that him? Or her or whatever. And she's like, yeah. And then they go in and then later it's revealed that it's the footballer. I thought that was a cool little twist. Yeah. Especially when she's like squeezing his hand and stuff and you hear him, ow. And like you hear the yeah. crunching and stuff. Like they really <laughs> did push that, you know, she was possessed. Like, right. That's funny. But yeah, I enjoyed that whole scene. I enjoyed her, like the way she tricked him into doing the, the reciting and stuff like that of the spell. Like, yeah. All that. Yeah, that was really cool. So the reason why I I was wondering if you preferred, like I was shocked that you liked this over the comic is later on when we discover where the bag of sand is, the comic book version is like horrifying. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Like Morpheus and Constantine like walk through like a hallway that's just like, I don't know, a goop of man flesh. Yes. (laughs) Because like, I can't remember, is it a nightmare or it was a person at some point? Like, it's just, it's horrifying. <laughs> it's like they're walking through a nightmare. Like, it is just yeah, oh, disgusting. Geez. Like, yeah. And then, like, they actually, they wind up in the person's room. It's like you have to go through all this to get to her room. And, like, she yeah. is just absolutely withered away. Yeah. Oh, I, my note was... That bag of sand will mess you up, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but Morpheus had mercy on her. Mm-hmm. And I believe he does in the comic book as well. Like, let her die, you know, at least peacefully in her sleep, kind of thing. Yeah. But this to me was probably my favorite episode out of the entire thing. Other, I don't know. This and episode four are like my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Episode four is my favorite. All right, well, if we ain't got nothing else, let's roll on to episode four. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, well, uh, hang on. Uh, for, uh, I don't know if I did the actual runtime. The actual no, runtime is 41 minutes, 47 seconds. Nice. Oh, nice. Right? All right, episode four shares the same name as issue four, A Hope in Hell. Now, there is additional content, though, whereas issue four is... Morpheus' battle with Lucifer in hell, we also get the story from issue five, which is called The Passengers. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of get the story of John hitches a ride to go get the ruby, and we also get the story of Morpheus plays a game of wit against um, Lucifer in hell to get his helm back. So I missed Etrigan. Etrigan is another yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. And I'm very sad that I did not get to see Etrigan. Again, another DC property that they just didn't have, though. Yeah, so that that was one of the things that was really cool with a tie-in is we see Etrigan the demon from the DC comic universe. Not in the show, but in the actual issue for this comic. Etrigan is like the person that shows Morpheus through hell. Yeah. And takes him to Lucifer, his like escort. That's the word I was looking for. He was his escort for hell. I thought that was cool. Being that I've never actually read like this volume of Sandman. I've read like one volume. I cannot remember what because they all have weird names. But I was like, oh shit, this is Etrigan. (laughs) It was really (laughs) cool. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't know who Etrigan is. Yeah. That's what I was about to ask. He's like, correct me if I'm wrong, Richard. I would say, honestly, and probably another reason why Marvel has gone this route, uh, he's probably DC's version of the Black Knight. Like, yeah. Etrigan is a demon that basically, like, has possessed a body, and, like, they can, but they swap. They almost, like, work together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, when shit gets real, he'll call on Etrigan, and Etrigan, like, takes over the body. Whereas, like, the Black Knight starts, like, to build up this rage the more he uses the ebony blade. Mm-hmm. They're both cursed. Didn't at one point, was it Etrigan or maybe been somebody, another one that we were talking about like correlated with Mephisto almost? Like, oh. 
Was it Etrigan? Yeah, no, 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 it's no. Not, Etrigan is definitely not like a Mephisto. Etrigan is kind of like an anti-hero. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, he's Merlin's half-brother, and he's Merlin's demon. A lot of times you'll hear him be called like, you know, whatever. Oh, it's Etrigan, Merlin's demon. And like that Merlin, like Merlin from, what is it? Uh, uh, King Arthur King and Arthur. Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, and I forget the exact details, but I'm trying to look him up right now. Let's see here. Etrigan was Merlin's half-brother. Merlin was the one who first summoned him to the realm of men and bound him to a mortal named Jason Blood. And by the late 19th century, Blood had about half a dozen encounters with another immortal. Anyway, yeah, that's basically him. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, that's what I was missing out of this. But like, really the big meat of this episode is when Lucifer and Morpheus face off. Corazon is the owner of the helm in hell at this point in time. Of course, Morpheus wants it back. Uh, He challenges Corazon to a battle and he gets to choose who he wants as his champion and he chooses Lucifer. And so it's almost like a game of wit. (laughs) So I I felt very much like little kids at a playground, like I'm this. Ah, well, I'm this. And (laughs) I'm rubber and you're glue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My note says, I love the challenge of, I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) 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 That is exactly what that is. Right. I also like, I, I did not, whenever it first came up, like, you know, doing the, there was going to be some kind of battle. And then that was going to be between him and Morpheus. I mean, uh, yeah, Mor- Morpheus and Lucifer. I was like, oh, this is going to be really cool. And then it turned into that. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is still really cool. But at the same time, I did not expect this at all. Like, <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, I mean, it was cool, like seeing how they did the different effects and whenever they said what they were. Uh, and like, it, but at the same time, I was like, I, I have no idea how this game works. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely like, I love it. It's it's a battle that you wouldn't expect, and I like it. It's very heady, and you're using, like Michael said, you're using your wits yeah. to, like, defeat this. And supposedly it's like, they mentioned, I can't remember if it was in the comic or this episode, but they mentioned that this is, like, one of the oldest forms of battle. And also, I love, love that we get, like, a reference to the anti-life equation that was so right. cool to me. Like when he says like he's a universe and then Lucifer rebuttals with, well, I am anti-life, you know, all consuming, you know, like the darkness, you know, take over everything. And of course, I love his rebuttal as he says, I'm hope and that will defeat. And honestly, that makes me think of Darkseid and Superman. I'm just saying, like I get those. That's exactly who I envision. And that's probably why I like this episode so much is that battle and how it slightly references the greater DC universe, even though they don't outright say dark side or Superman. But anyway, yeah, no, I didn't even put the whole hope as Superman and, and the Andy matter. Like that's amazing. I freaking love that. Like I love that whole scene anyways. And I, and I mean, I knew it was coming, mm-hmm. but like I could see on Jeremy's end where it's like, Oh, well, I was expecting like some action here. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially since it's Brienne of Tarth that's playing Lucifer. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, she did an amazing job as Lucifer. I love oh, yeah. her as Lucifer. Yeah. Gwendolyn Christie is her real name. And yes, absolutely. Also, once again, following along with the comic books, she very much kind of looks like that because they make Lucifer look kind of androgynous. And I thought that was a great casting choice. Once again, the casting for all these characters are great. The only way you could have done maybe better. Honestly, she didn't have the pizzazz that. Brianda's, but like that chick from uh Narnia who's the white queen you know who I'm talking about oh yeah oh, that's yeah. uh that's uh she plays the ancient one in Doctor Strange it's um yes oh god I know her name I just can't think of it right now yeah I could see that though like yeah. getting her would have been the only way to like do it any better but like Brian looks spot on with the comic book <laughs> like yeah I'm just saying so very happy with that so on Kind of do like what you had mentioned earlier, Richard, and that was one of the things I was going to ask about. Like, is his, is that his different name or whatever of any kind of like importance or foreshadowing or anything like that? Wh- whose name? You talking about Morpheus? Morpheus, yeah. No, we're just, 
we know his name. I mean, it does. I don't want to spoil anything because it's probably going to happen if the show does well. It's just this version of more uh, of of Dream. Dream. Slight spoilers. There'll be a different version of Dream in the future, and <laughs> okay. he has a he has a different name that isn't Morpheus. So I, I'm just saying that for yeah to be more detailed there. I don't. Do they ever call him Morpheus in the show? Yes. Do they? Okay. Like one time, I think. I got you. And I looked it up because I just wanted to know that character's name or actress's name. Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton is the one that you were thinking of, the one that played the White Queen and was the oh, ancient yeah. one in, in Doctor Strange. Yeah. So while Bladder, was it Bladder Sloat or what Bladder Goat or whatever the demon that ends up escorting in the in the show? Oh. It's not Etrigan. It's a demon that rhymes, which apparently that's a thing that I didn't realize is as you rise up through the ranks in hell, one of the high-ranking demons speak in rhyme. Weird. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> when he's escorting Dream through hell, we see like a, a, a woman who knows Dream. Her name is Nada. And... I don't, do y'all want me to spoil this? Like why, what her connection, because we're probably going to get that story next season. It's nothing like hugely spoilerific. I was going to say, they kind of touched on it during the episode. Yeah. But so Dream and her, basically she's a woman from like the first race of men. And she meets Dream and Dream and her fall in love. And due to that, you're not supposed to fall in love with one of the endless. And due to that, basically, the city that she lived in was burned to the ground. And she committed suicide. And Dream went to death because he was bitter about it and condemned her soul to hell. Because she just left him? Yeah, because she left him. Like, she just killed herself and left him. Yeah. So he's been bitter all these years. And he, she's been there for thousands of years. <laughs> It said 10,000 years. Yeah. That's why he says to her, like, I still love you, but I am not over what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And there's an issue later on that deals with him finally coming to terms with that, which we'll probably get next season. Yeah. I would hope so, at least. Either next season or season three. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Nope. All right. Wait. Uh, what? We got to get the runtime. Oh, oh, yeah. I keep forgetting these. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, the actual runtime for this one was 41 minutes, 28 seconds. See, they're not that bad, Jeremy. No, no. Not an hour I mean, long. On average, if you want the af actual average runtime for all these episodes, <laughs> this includes the episodes we have yet to see. It's basically 44 minutes, 15 seconds. Well, whenever you're, we just came off of like the 20 minute episodes of, of She-Hulk, basically. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, these like, you can sit down, watch them. You can, like once it's done, you can get up and take a good shit, and then you know, <laughs> God. then go watch another one. Like, <laughs> all right, episode five, which is titled Twenty Four Seven, is taken from issue six, titled Twenty Four Hours, and issue seven, Sound and Fury. All right, in this episode, John corrupts a diner and its occupants. Morpheus and John face off. John breaks the ruby, releasing the essence of Morpheus that, is held, that, held, that it holds. Morpheus puts John back at the psych ward and for him to sleep until. So yeah, I felt like this diner, like, this is probably the most anticipated episode whenever people were like, seeing this come out. And it's because of the comic book. Yeah. So is it, um, is this a big, like, I guess, turning point? I, I mean, it seems like it is even in the show, but like in the in the comic as well. Is it like a big pivotal moment or something? Yeah, because this is like the face off. Like Morpheus is one tool away from having all his stuff back. Like he gets yeah. his helm back from hell. He has his sand back. Like all he needs is his his stuff back. And then he can repair his kingdom, the dreaming world which also will release everybody from their slumber or, like, or allow them to get sleep. Yeah. Because since he's been captured, which we didn't mention this earlier, but since we've been captured, people have just been sleeping. Like, some people can't wake up, some people can't go to sleep, and they, they died, they called it the sleepy or whatever, and they gave it a diagnosis, and we're, like, trying to help people, and so, yeah, this is, like, a big deal. So, with this one, 
So whenever I was talking about earlier, as far as, you know, it being like a meh episode to me is it, it seemed to really drag on. Like I was like, I don't really care about these people and what they're doing. Like this, I don't understand this. And like, obviously at the end of it, towards the end of it, you're like, Oh, okay. I kind of see what they, what it's all about now. But it was like one of those like, Holy cow, can we please just move on? Like, I want to know where the heck Dream is. I want to know what's going on here. Like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, that was kind of my thing as well. Like, I, I knew what they were doing. I knew they were building up to, like, this this really crazy scene that takes place in the comic books. But I, I was with you, too, where I was just like, let's just, let's get to this. Let's get to these panels <laughs> because that's what we're here to see. But everybody's here to see. I even warned my wife ahead of time. I said, look, I said, this is probably going to get really graphic. I'm just letting you know. And she, her response was, you mean like Kingsman graphic? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> in some sort of way, possibly. but Darker tonally, I think. Per- yeah, personally. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm completely on the opposite end of that. Like, I like this episode. It's fucked up in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. And I love that they take their time because they build that tension. Like that tension just keeps I'm because the entire time, uh, what's his name? I can't the guy that plays John D, uh, he's Dr. Destiny in the comics, but and he's uh, the werewolf guy in Harry Potter. Yes, he's that's, um, that's what I was about to say. Like, yeah, he's a he's a he uh Professor Lupin. Yeah, yes. Um David Thulis is the guy that plays John D. Great casting. He's so creepy in this, like the, the, we didn't even talk about it, but the car ride where she, uh, the hitchhiker picks up uh, John D and all that stuff. And then now he's at this diner and I'm just waiting like, oh God, what is he going to do to these people? Like, I didn't read this comic like beforehand. So watching it, this was my second viewing, but watching it the first time, the entire time I was just like, oh God, what's going to happen? What is he going to do? Is he going to like something awful is going to happen to all these people? And it does, but it's just like, oh God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I just, you know, you're, you're talking about the build of anticipation. Mine was the build of impatience and like annoyance. Well, mine wasn't (laughs) anticipation. Mine was tension. Like it was just like the buildup that, something awful is about to happen to these people. <laughs> like almost like a horror movie where they're, you know, whatever walking, like we know the murderers in there or whatever, the demon, whatever you want to call it. And like the person slowly walking towards it or something like that, that, that sensation of like, Oh fuck, it's about to go down. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to go ahead and come on. <laughs> yeah. You got them all here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, like I, I enjoy Again, it was, <laughs> I I was listening to it and then I was just like, all right, I just want to know what, what's the point here? And like, even, even kind of like during it while they were all basically killing each other and cutting off limbs and stuff, like I still was like, well, what the heck is happening? And then <laughs> finally, whenever, you know, he met up with dream, I was like, holy cow, like that's, you know, it's this person's idea of like, well, no, these people really just hate themselves or hate their existence or whatever. And so he just want, but like that's more of his, seems like his inner turmoil that he's projecting onto them than what's actually their, you know, their true feelings and things like that. So I was like, wow, that got like really deep. <laughs> well, I think the big point that he was trying to get across, dream was trying to get across was like without dreaming, without, stuff like that and like looking to what could be like all you wind up with is death and you know I guess despair maybe for (laughs) yeah like (laughs) one of his siblings (laughs) both of his siblings yeah Um, yeah Yeah, that's true but sorry (laughs) but yeah like without him yeah like there is no hope there is no you know brighter days kind of thing yeah yeah, and Dream, like Morpheus, he takes his job very seriously. <laughs> and he is very much like, you know, kind of by the books for the most part. And 
he thinks that like, and you like the reader, I don't know, to me, it's like, who cares about the, the Sandman? You know what I mean? Like who cares about a guy who deals with the dream? But they make it really cool about how like, and we'll learn this as the series goes on, like dreams, Morpheus says like dreams and nightmares are kind of what, dreams will help people aspire to do great things and nightmares will help them to teach them a lesson. So like he has a poor, important job, believe it or not, for humanity. And yeah, and John was talking about how like, if you take away the lies, this is what humanity really is. And he's like, no, you took away their dreams. Yeah. And with their dreams, and you know, he explains like each of the people, like the people in the, 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 uh, the husband and wife, you know, the, the CEO and the, the like trophy husband about how like he says, like, he's like going to prove his dad wrong by becoming this, you know, high level businessman for some nefarious company. I have no idea what the company's name is, but anyway, it was really cool. Learn like him showing how John was wrong. And it's, I think it's due to his upbringing because his mom constantly lied to him. And, Morpheus even takes pity on him because, you know, he says like, oh, I'm going to, are you going to kill me now? And he's like, I may. And then he thinks about it. And he's like, no, because you came into this ruby. It wasn't your fault that you came into it and it's just corrupted you essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's the, the same as Joanna's like ex. Like it wasn't her fault that she came into the sand, but like, she had already like she was past the point of no return. So he at least sat there and gave mercy and and put her to sleep and let her die that way. Yeah. Which is kind of I wonder if he's grown as an entity. Like <laughs> as an endless. <laughs> as yeah, as an endless. Because like at first he was just gonna walk out and just leave her there, talking about Joanna's yeah. ex. Uh yeah. Rachel, I believe it was. Yeah, Rachel. So I wonder if he kind of grew. The hand scene where, like, he's holding John in the palm of his hands, like, the CGI, I thought was amazing with that. Like, I was looking at his fingers and his fingertips Mm -hmm. because I have some kind of, like, I don't know, weird, like, it's it's interesting to me that people's hands are different. I don't know what it is. That's kind of weird. But, yeah, I was looking (laughs) at that and, like, just that whole scene in general was just super cool and just how much detail they put into it. I yeah. thought that was amazing. And I forgot earlier on episode one, like when he's entering in Alex's dream, getting ready to like kill him essentially or put him into eternal sleep. And he's sitting in the attic in that chair and it's all black. And all you see is those little white eyes like Werewolf by Night did. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's like, that's from the comic. That's freaking amazing. I love this. Oh my God. This is great. <laughs> yeah. So it's all those images that like from the comic book that are just freaking great and I absolutely love them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we see a little glimpse of another big important character that's going to show up later on in this first season. We get a glimpse of Rose Walker. She's apparently a friend of Judy. She like FaceTimes her or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we will see her. She shows up. She's a very important really? key character in later this season would have never thought that either it's just that little clip yeah yeah i didn't realize i had forgotten that that scene even happened and then when i saw her i was like oh that's rose so anyway also i like i didn't realize this and this is for sandman fans they're probably like screaming at me but when dream is wearing his helm and he has like the cloak i i noticed it when um when john destroys the ruby Dream looks like a raven. Huh. Yeah. Like I if I you can see that. If you look at that helmet, it looks and with the cloak, it looks like a raven. So I guess that's why that's his like, I don't know, animal that he keeps with him. Oh, I see. To me, like I went around I was watching, I was like, he was uh like it was a conchu. Yeah. Yeah. Moon knight. Yeah. Like he looks very much like a conchu. And I'm like, but yeah. <laughs> well, well, didn't they say something like ravens can travel in between? Like I don't know if it's all ravens. I thought it was just his ravens that they can travel between the dreaming and the real, the waking world. Okay. I thought that I took it as like all red. So, all right. But I could be completely wrong. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I don't, I don't remember what they said on that one, honestly. Um, I don't really have anything else. Like these were pretty like all self-contained for the most part to make a bigger story. 
Mm-hmm. You were talking about the costume and stuff like that a second ago. And I'm, I forgot to mention this earlier, but like Matthew's just comic relief is freaking great. And, you know, when they're in hell and he's like, wait, they make you bring your own torch to hell? Yeah. Like, I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. And then like uh, Morpheus gets the helm back and he starts to put it on and stuff like that. And Matthew's like, can you even see out of that thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love in the Constantine or Constantine episode where at the very end, he's like, you know, I'm going to go with you no matter what, you know? And he's like, okay, that's fine. And he's like, then you're coming with me. He's like, so where are we going? He's like, we're going to hell. And he's like, wait, what? So <laughs> <laughs> just like literally. Or- <laughs> he's like, wait a second. We, uh, we might need to go talk to what's her name about this. Um, Cause I don't think she's going to be down for that. But you're not listening to me here at all. So, uh, fuck <laughs> yeah. it. I guess we're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lucian, Lu- the actress that plays Lucian is great as well. The like yeah. bookkeeper. I thought she was great. Uh, my only, I just, I, and I know there's something that probably went on behind the scenes. But my only wish is I, I really wish it tied more into the DC universe because while following this along with the comics, like John D is locked up in Arkham. And like his yeah. his roomie is Crane, Jonathan Crane, the scarecrow. Yeah. And like Morpheus goes and visits Mr. Miracle to find out where his Ruby or is it is his Ruby or his bag of sand? I can't remember. And then he also goes and sees uh Martian Manhunter yeah. as well. And of course, that we mentioned the Etrigan, the demon stuff. But I really wish that could have been like part of me was like, man, if they could have waited to do this while like James Gunn now as part of like the DC stuff. Oh, I yeah. really would love for it to tie more into the DC universe. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think it it had to do everything with like he was taking it outside of HBO. Like I I guess Neil Gaiman somehow was like, hey, you know, I want to pitch this show or whatever to y'all. And HBO was like, look, I know that's our property and all, but you can you can go take it somewhere else. I I don't know what the deal was, but that's the only thing I think of is that like they didn't have it at HBO, and so that's why Constantine I can kind of see because like at the time they were going back and forth Legends of Tomorrow. The rumor was that we were going to get a Justice League Dark TV series as well or movie. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see why they did that. And honestly, I'm I don't know that I want whoever is outside the guy that normally does it on. Legends of Tomorrow. Like, he's freaking amazing. I can't remember his name now. Matt something or other. Yeah, I don't know it. But Clara, she knocked it out of the park. So I'm totally cool with that. But I'd love to have seen Martian Manhunter. That'd have been fun. Which I guess we didn't get that because he was in Justice League. So they were using him there for that. Yeah. Etrigan's part of Justice League Dark as well. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah. I I think it's, I don't know, like the whole DC, I don't want to get into it right now, but the whole like them like, (laughs) oh, we're using those characters for the movie. So you can't have them in the show. Like, who cares? Just put it in there. Right. Like, it's not going to confuse people. Like, and if it does, someone will explain it to that. They can listen to us. (laughs) I was about to say, just listen listen in here. (laughs) Just put a QR code for our episode at the end of your episode. Yeah, there there you you go. We'll, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours, and ta-da! Exactly. Yes. Everybody's happy. <laughs> All right, so the runtime, the actual runtime, this is our longest episode. Yes. Really? So there you go, Jeremy. That's why it felt like it was so long. It was 50 minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah, I felt every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're good. We have nothing else. Yeah, I hope that's I think it. we're good. Awesome. All right, everybody. Next episode, we'll be talking about episode number six, which what I gather so far is issue number eight, and it shares the same title as issue eight, The Song of Her Wings. Sound. You'll also... Yes, The Sound of Her Wings. I'm sorry, but yes, thank you for that, Richard. You'll also find that issue in the volume one trade, so it is part of that whole collected series, but pretty much the story is done after this this episode that we just talked about. So, yeah. Anyways, Jeremy, where can they find you at? Uh, they can find me on Twitch under the handle Night Fury GTO. That's Night with a K. 
And you can find me here. Awesome. Richard, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter if you want to contact me directly. My handle is Night Curry, Night like day and night, and Curry with a K. If you want to contact us directly, we have a Gmail. Our Gmail is comicallycomicspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to check us out on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram, you can check us out under the name Comically Comics Podcast. Awesome. You can find me on Instagram and eBay at 22 underscore comics. You can also find me on YouTube at 22 comics. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did making it. With all that being said, say goodbye, Jeremy. Bye, Jeremy. Bye, Jeremy. Bye. <laughs> Where are we going? Hell. As in hell? Hell? Or were you being metaphorical? Because either way, we should probably check in with Lucian first, right? See how she's feeling about it? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, which is something birds actually do, and say she will not be in favor of hell going. But I don't get a sense if you're listening, so fuck it. Let's go to hell.